as, as we said, look, Adrian Peterson's been through a lot, but this is a big switch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was nice. Well, well played. Well, So hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. We'll be looking at all the news stories from around the league this week, taking a review of some of the games, questions from you, the listener, and then looking at our picks for week six. So hey, we got Connor, we got Harry. Hello. And we got Ronan. Hello. How are we getting on, lads? Any crack? Uh, no, I've got a bit of a cold actually, I'm coming down today, so I'm going to be... I'm fairly quiet on this podcast, I think. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. They're just grind you down to the absolute bare minimum and work. That's you just can't, can't keep it up. What about yourself, Fitz? How's all down in Cork? Uh, fine. Uh, pretty busy this week, doing lots of presentations, getting uh, making some money for the company. Uh, hopefully some scratch for myself eventually, but uh, yeah, all good otherwise. Got to keep that hustle on. away. <laughs> it's a good week in the NFL for me, so I'm not, I'm not worried too much too worried about anything else. Very good, very good. And obviously, uh, good... Good day for the country as well. Uh, still have a chance to make that World Cup next summer. Yeah, looks like Ireland have a have a have a chance. Uh, although I think it's heavily dependent on who we draw in this playoff round, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I just don't want we, to we deal could, with this fucking World Cup. But we we could have the excellence that is a a Republic of Ireland versus Northern Ireland uh, derby to decide who gets to go to the World Cup, right? Yeah, uh, right but, when James McLean gets murdered, probably at yeah. halftime. <laughs> uh, uh, the troubles. Very yeah, funny. Can no, it's okay. World Cups in hey, fucking we're from, Russia. Fuck we're from the border. Cup. We're from border counties. Yeah. We can joke I about this. I don't, I don't want to think about the World Cup. <laughs> I don't want to think about it. It's in Russia. Fuck Russia. Fuck FIFA. Fuck the stupid fucking World Cup. And fuck the fact that we're going to be there and have to deal with the fucking boys in green fucking brigade going off fucking summer. Fuck. Yeah, that'd be good. Ah, the banks. The banks are desperate to find someone to loan money to at the moment. <laughs> so uh, this will do. Uh, I promise you, we're going to get worse ads than we did from the from the Euros, where AIB were literally going here, have an unsecured twenty five grand loan to go see the boys in green. Um, so I suppose we'll fly into some of the news from around the league this week. Uh, I suppose the biggest one that comes off the top of the head is uh, American Vice President Mike Pence. Uh, decided to walk out of the San Francisco at Indianapolis game after the National Anthem protests. He went down with no expectation of something like this to happen whatsoever and then was outraged by what he saw and wanted to make it known to the internet that he is outraged by this. So he put a picture of himself up there, uh, the snazzy filter on there. Uh, So this was obviously, at the initial point, they said, oh, this was unplanned. It's now since came out uh, Donald Trump uh, has came out on Twitter and admitted this was a pre-planned stunt and everything. Like, we discussed this last week and we said, surely it would appear that they've figured out this is a stupid one for them to tilt at. This is a Don Quixote tilting at windmills. They just want to distract from everything else that's going on in the country. This was moronic, right? Yeah, I mean, mean, it seems to appeal to a certain class of people who already fucking love President Trump and Mike Pence and whatever. But, like... Firstly, doing it is stupid because it's very obviously, you know, a. It's funny. It's what what what, what uh, I'm sure Donald Trump and his supporters would call virtue signaling if anyone else would do yeah. it. Yeah. Right. Sex. So it's completely done. And also, by the way, like that costs a quarter million taxpayer dollars to fly him from uh, Las Vegas to Indianapolis and then back to L.A. Uh, just so he could walk out of the game. Right. So that's the first aspect that's stupid. 
The second aspect of stupid is his attempt to, with that, because that photo you mentioned with the filter was a photo from 2014. <laughs> so his attempt to like, oh, I'm a lifelong Colts fan, and then tweets out a photo that he tweeted out three years ago. And obviously the internet being the internet, it took about five minutes for people to figure this out. Yeah. So it was obvious that he doesn't attend these games regularly, and he was there for political purposes. And then the final element of stupidity was like removing any ambiguity about whether or not this was genuine by Donald Trump, who presumably pissed off that nobody was paying attention to him, uh, just decided to do it. And like, it's just, it's messed up. Because like I said, it's an attempt to change the conversation. We're now having the conversation about, you know, the flag and the troops and respect. And the fundamental point has been forgotten, which is that the vice president, at the behest of the president, specifically went somewhere to protest against African Americans who were themselves protesting systemic racism and police violence. That's kind of messed up. I'm surely a going specifically to try and protest during an American flag national anthem protest is in itself protesting during the national anthem and is just doing what they're claiming is anti-American but is now at the behest of the POTUS. It's really worrying to think that he's in the same bracket in my brain now as Martin Sheen. Uh, Associative memory is a bastard, you know? Oh, God. Uh, what about yourself, Fitz? Do you think, outside of the fact that this is ridiculous and they really want us to talk about it, so we're going to try and talk about it as little as possible, like, is there anything you want to add into this outside of, would you ever get your shit sorted, America? Like, the only thing I would say is that the NFL is reacting in a poor fashion to this particular stunt. Uh, like, obviously, Jerry Jones has now come out and basically said that if a Dallas player disrespects the flag, whatever that means, they will, they will not be allowed to play like there's obviously a lot of ambiguity about what that disrespects the flag actually means, but it's it's obviously a major issue. And now there are talks among the owners about actually making standing for the anthem mandatory. Uh, presumably, if you don't stand for the anthem, you'll get a fine, which is similar to what's already happening in the NBA, where where the owners already collapsed on that. You know, if you come from a couple of weeks ago, where it looked like the owners were turning against Donald Trump, suddenly this like stunt seems to have turned the thing back around again. Uh, at least temporarily so uh, you know it's really annoying that this was so pre-planned it was so cynical and obviously is exactly the type of thing as Harry says that they're complaining about these people these virtual signers you know these white knights doing themselves and now it's actually having an effect on, on the bottom line of the NFL like maybe the television maybe maybe the NFL look at the bottom line and maybe this is being effective in terms of getting people to go off the thing but you know you would hope that they would stand up for what they said literally a couple of weeks ago uh, and actually stand up for their players' rights to express themselves. We'll see how it goes from here, but you know the fact that that's turning in any way is obviously a, a very retrograde step, but hopefully uh, it doesn't go any further than just a bit of speculation and talking uh, than, uh, than the current status quo. Yeah, yeah there was one thing that's worth noting as well. Um, <clears throat> there was a, one of the, the outlets, I can't remember who, I think it was one of the more, more online ones, spoke with several players who uh, had said that they were basically, and with position coaches as well, both of whom had said that they were coming under pressure from senior coaches, and essentially via, sorry, via senior coaches, but from the ownership to essentially separate, isolate, and intimidate um, sort of third, fourth string players who might be more vulnerable into not protesting. Oh, God. So like, this is, yeah, this is going wrong. And I kind of want to see, I kind of want to see, the only thing I want to see happen next week is I want to see Dak Prescott... Zeke, yep. Dez, the entire O-line, Tyron Smith, whoever, go out and just piss on the Star Spangled Banner and call Jerry Jones' bluff. Yeah, no, because like, as, as I said, I was, was going to say, Jerry Jones seems to think that uh, a flag is more important than a woman, uh, given that he's happy to let them play. 
unless they disrespect a flag. Um, but hey, let's see how it works out. I'd imagine this will be uh, something that, again, now what we thought was might be dying off a little bit looks to just restoke those fires in. Bizarrely, also awkward NFL scenarios. Uh, Cam Newton has made an absolute fucking tit of himself and has got himself into a fair whack of trouble here. So he gave her a sexual response to a female reporter, uh, Jordan Rodriguez, uh, when questioned in relation to his wide receiver's uh, route running ability. Now, this is the thing. I wasn't sure. Did, did he say it's funny to hear a female talk about roots or it's funny to hear you talk about roots to the one? I can't remember exactly, but he basically made light of the idea of this female reporter was in there and discussing route running when it's clearly a man's thing. Uh, So he has now had a... He's lost his yoghurt sponsorship, which is uh, is a big deal. Apparently, apparently they've gone and signed Dak Prescott instead to do the yoghurt sponsorship, which is... uh, this is interesting. He was just waiting on Cam to slip up. Just waiting on it. Um, but yeah, so Cam has come out. It's, it's all right. Half of white America won't even notice the difference. That's true. They won't. Uh, <laughs> right. So basically, Cam has now came out and said afterwards that he was sorry about his statements, that he was making it as a, as, as a joke or something. Uh, I, I don't know exactly what he's trying to sell it as being. And then he said, you know, it was just a joke. I have apologised. And we heard that he hasn't apologised that uh, then the PR team apologised. It was all a bit of a bit of a mess now. Cam Newton has had these types of allegations alleged on before that he's bad at dealing with the press, that he's a jock, that he's a that he's actually a bit of a prick under it all. Now, do we view this as being something that gives in any way credence to this, or is this a separate thing from everything else? Like I think for me personally. Like, we know that Cam Newton is a bit of a dunderhead at times. Like, obviously, you think towards uh, post-Super Bowl when he basically acted like a bit of a child. Uh, I believe he's made comments in the past at, like, a, a children's camp related to how females should act. Uh, mm-hmm. And obviously, this is just a, another example of this. This is the one that kind of blew up. And obviously, it's hard not to imagine it's blowing up to a certain extent because of the kind of overarching issues surrounding the NFL at the moment. That that's, like, it blew it up to a larger degree. Um, it kind of felt like, you know, Cam Newton, he says things, he's used to kind of saying things, getting away with them, being kind of casual, wearing his like silly suits and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and in this case, he got caught out. And, you know, it took him a couple of days to basically realize that he made a huge mistake, that this was blowing up, that this made him look like an idiot. And he basically admitted that, albeit in a very uh, PR-scrubbed, well-lit, uh, beautiful uh, apology video that he posted on Twitter uh, and obviously there was then speculation about whether he actually apologised personally uh, to Jordan Rodriguez. So, you know, and then after the Detroit game, he then goes on to say that, like, oh, it was meant as a compliment. It was, like, sarcastic. I was, like, making a joke or something like that. And, like, he just, he, like, you know, something which he had put to bed or his PR team, maybe perhaps or accurately had put to bed, uh, like, before the games happened, he managed to make up a little bit more. But it doesn't seem to have caught any more traction uh, in the last couple of days. So I, I don't imagine it will go any further. Uh, and like you know, like the little cherry on top of this whole escapade is that you know they they like you know the internet went and found some uh, tweets from uh, the reporter in question where she made some racially insensitive comments on Twitter, and of course she didn't have to apologise for comments she made like two or three years ago from Twitter. So you know the internet is a wonderful thing, uh, and it's managed to turn this into a complete uh, clusterfuck. But I think you know this we can't we don't really expect Cam Newton to be you know. Uh, the most uh, PR aware. He's no, he's no Russell Wilson. He's no Tom Brady. And in this case, he, he's run his mouth and probably let slip something maybe that he might uh, personally think or just kind of casually think, but which obviously isn't something that we should accept 
uh, in our public discourse from people who are so uh, highly thought of as Cam Newton in terms of young people and and and, and well, people in general. Yeah, you got a bit of Charlotte Observer at the end. You know what example is this setting for our children? Mm. Um, but yeah, like, I can't really disagree with any of that. It was absolutely like at best, it's a boneheaded joke delivered and a bad joke as well delivered in a way that didn't come across as being funny. At worst, it is Cam letting slip something that he thinks but shouldn't say, or well, to be honest, shouldn't think either. Um, hopefully, he'll learn something from this. I don't know. Uh, it's disappointing. I'm, I don't think his other antics with the media have been honestly as bad as this. Like, I think getting pissed at the media for being the media is fine because they're a bunch of jerks. This was an innocuous question, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. that didn't deserve this kind of response. And it was, it was completely stupid. And yeah, like Ronan said, the internet just made everything worse. Um, and hopefully there'll be no sort of further repercussions for uh, the reporters. Obviously, it's hard enough being a female sports supporter without having the players going for you, and then it's hard enough to have that without the internet coming for you because don't no, be a woman on the internet. No, of course. Apparently. So, Cam Newton, get your shit together. Uh, Field reporter, don't be racist, but that's not really the issue here. Uh, I think that's <laughs> where, we're, where we sit on this. Um, we'll move on to some delete of the... your old tweets. It's <laughs> like yeah, advice maybe, right there. Maybe delete some of those old tweets. Uh, trades extensions, all that kind of stuff that's happened. Uh, we had one that's a particularly large. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals have traded a conditional pick to New Orleans for uh, Adrian Peterson and have also... This is unconfirmed at this point, but uh, I've apparently released Chris Johnson as well. So they've decided to add to their retirement home full of old past it players. Uh, as we said, look, Adrian Peterson's been through a lot, but this is a big switch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was nice. Well, well played. Thanks. But like you know, like uh, you know, a few weeks ago we were talking about like the best trades that you look or you know optimal trades in week two, and I talked about like Arizona trading for Frank Gore. Like obviously. It's, it's a different player, but it's the same script. You know, Bruce Arians bringing in a, a, like an old veteran, grizzled, to come in and try and make this last season work. Like, you know, right now, based on the way Arizona are playing, I don't think Adrian Peterson's going to add much, especially based on the way he's playing. But, you know, they are 2-3 and three somehow, uh, basically by playing two of the worst teams in the NFL and winning in kind of lucky fashion. Uh, so they obviously still think they have a shot in an NFC West uh, division that isn't really lighting things up right now. But, you know, I don't think anyone of us here probably thinks this is going to be the difference between them making the playoffs or not. Maybe it's the difference between them finishing, you know, five, uh, five wins and seven wins. But I think overall it, it's, it's, it's a move for a team that is probably in line with the kind of depressing prognosis we had last week. It's not really something that's going to get anyone excited. Maybe two years ago we'd all be really excited, but this time it's not even mm. really that big of news. No, of course. Like the big thing with this, and it's it's a similar problem that we have when he was signed by New Orleans. Is like this this doesn't make sense from a scheme perspective either because they need additional pass protection because that line is not doing shite and Adrian Peterson can't do it. They need someone who can catch the ball out of the backfield because no one is buying this as a lead running back, so he can't do that. Like I don't understand what they're hoping to get out of this. Yeah, well. It's 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 a roll of the dice, isn't it? Uh, it's it's a very Bruce Arians move. Like uh, he's just look. It's it's a veteran. It's he's old. He's had success in the past. That's this entire fucking team right now. Let's be honest with ourselves. Yeah. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, anyway. I agree. That it doesn't make sense. Adrian Peterson is not a good pass protector. Adrian Peterson is not a good pass catcher. Now, to be fair, they do have a good pass catcher. In, well, semi good pass catcher in Andre Ellington. Yeah. But like they're gonna maybe the plan is they're just gonna go. You know. Line climber Do- up under centre with Peterson in the eye the and time, just yeah. run him until he explodes. 
but that old line is fucking awful. That's terrible. Like, like that's... I don't, I don't think this is going to work. And I think we've seen, and it's not just this season. I think the season in New Orleans really confirmed it. But I think we saw it towards the end of the last few years in Minnesota for the injuries and the suspension that Peterson was struggling, and he doesn't have, seem to have that burst and that strike that he had before. So this, to me, this is desperation roll of the dice that replaces one old broke down veteran in Chris Johnson with another old broke down veteran. Yeah, for Peterson it makes sense because now he actually gets a chance to be a lead back. Mm-hmm. But for Arizona, it's it just stinks of desperation. Yeah, it's always and like I've, I've, a number of outlets have been saying recently that this is a team who should probably be looking at uh, like trading some of their pieces away because it's a lost season. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to do a deep run. This is an old roster that's going into a rebuild. They should be acquiring picks, and instead they're giving picks away for old players who will not be here for a rebuild in pursuit of a season that's not happening. So it just overall seems like a terrible decision. Arizona gets shit together. A little bit of kicker talk. Uh, the Chargers have cut Young-Ho Koo and they've signed Nick Novak and Tampa Bay have cut Nick Folk and signed Patrick Murray. Young-Ho Koo's probably the only slightly surprise here. He wasn't doing well but he was a new kicker who they brought in and beat out Josh Lambeau. Uh, but he hasn't been good. It makes sense to bring in a veteran at this point. Yeah, it's just funny that it's Nick Novak. Like They moved on from Nick Novak a few years ago. Yeah. It doesn't say much that they've brought him back at this point. And uh, one thing for you, Connor, I think uh, Patrick Murray is considered to be more of a patch in that Tampa Bay are keeping an eye out for your old boy, Cairo Santos. Yeah, they had, him in, they had him in this week and we're trying him out. Uh, well, I say trying him out, just interviewing him and getting a medical on him and stuff. So they reckon he's about two weeks away from being able to be. So this might be just a temporary spot for Tampa Bay. I cannot wait to see how Tampa Bay ruined Cairo Santos's career. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just more interested to see like a team move on to their fourth fucking kicker of the season by like week seven. Uh, it'll be very impressive. Uh, on to injuries. And oh my God, this was a bad weekend yeah. for injuries. Right. New York Giants weren't doing so well. Uh, their past game hadn't really set the world on fire. And it's going to be interesting if it does now because it says a lot about talent evaluators if you can lose your four starting wide receivers and somehow get some production out of everyone else. Odell Beckham has broken his fibula and he's gone for the season. Brandon Marshall has an ankle sprain and he just had season-ending ankle surgery after that. Sterling Shepard has an ankle sprain he's gone for one to four weeks. And Dwayne Harris has a foot fracture and he is gone for the season. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen a week like this happen to any single position group ever. Um, I think there might have been that one time with the Chargers O-line, but yeah, yeah, it's remarkably unfortunate for it all to happen. In one, and it was against the Chargers as well, so must yeah. be, something must have rubbed off there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, God, this is bad. Like, It's not like Eli Manning was doing well. Uh, now he's kind of fucked. Like, this team's... Um, oh God, I don't know. Like, Lewis is their number one receiver now? He might be their only receiver? Yeah, Roger Lewis, I Roger think. Lewis, yeah. yeah. Um, They've already signed some guys up their practice squad, but... You don't need to know who they are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So, like, it, it, it's pretty grim, and it's uh, it's just awful. And, like, it, it, it was actually very... It was quite... Like, because he saw Beckham was crying on the sideline after the first mm. few guys got injured, because he was obviously very upset, and then he went and got absolutely... Maybe he just, thought he, maybe he just thought he was going to be lonely and want to go hang with his oh, friends. Maybe, yeah, but he, you know, he seemed genuinely upset by some of the injuries, because they were, they were nasty injuries that yeah. happened to the players. And, of course, he went and got one himself. It was, oh, just, it was one of those things that you didn't even need to see it in the slow-mo. You could see in no, real time. Hard, like, I don't hard. need to see that again. It was like... Almost exactly like the Ronald Darby um, mm. ankle uh, that happened. So just but this is this is a holy crap. This is a bad spot for a bad team. Like yeah, this is this is now guaranteeing them that they're in the hunt now for their replacement quarterback do, next year. Do they just line up with three running backs and go like jumbo every play? Like I don't. Is there three running backs on the New York Giants? <laughs> Te- technically, yes, there are. Actually, there are exactly three because uh, Paul Parkins doesn't count. So um, Goleman, Vereen, and Darkwa. Okay. Uh, so they might just go with three of them in the backfield. I don't know. Shane Green will move to the slot receiver position. 
it's it, it, it's really grim and uh, yeah it's not you wouldn't wish that on the darkest timeline it's just like I don't like the Giants but I wouldn't wish this, this no. is just cruel another, another team that took a hit to their position of strength is Houston they lost uh, Watt and Whitney Merciless in the first series of the game against the Chiefs Watt has a tibial plateau fracture which has him out for a season Whitney Merciless is torn a pectoral and he's also out for a season like it's really weird to think we're sitting here and going Houston are now entirely reliant on their offense which has looked pretty okay and their defense is going to be dog shit right well I must say one thing just quickly like they're, they're, like, those are two big losses right but they still have talent on defense they're still clowny you've still got Benedict McKinney like it's bad but it's not like the whole group has been wiped out but mm-hmm. this is a significant blow because you don't see just clowny get double teamed now mm-hmm. constantly constantly and I think the one thing is that there's definitely been a drop-off in the secondary with the loss of Bouye, and that's only going to get exposed more the less that they can get pressure on the opposing quarterback. So I think that's something to keep an eye out, like whether that secondary, which has kind of got protected by the quality of that front seven, gets starts getting exposed a bit more as the season goes on. Uh, so Houston, obviously, not happy with this. It was unfortunate, uh, and there was a couple of other injuries in that game. We'll get on to some of them later on. Washington's quarterback, Josh Norman, has uh, an injured lung. He got his ribs injured in the game last week against the Chiefs, and it turns out he has a lung injury as well. He's out for about four weeks. There's obviously an impact to their defense. Uh, he's their, I think, their highest played player, play, paid player on defense. Yeah, like it's, it's not great. Uh, New Orleans have lost uh, Zach Shreve, their offensive tackle. Uh, Kansas City have Travis Kelsey in concussion protocol and Chris Conley with a ruptured Achilles who's gone for the season. That was a horrible one to see on television. You saw the leg ruffle and you literally saw the Achilles snap back up the rest of the leg. And uh, Dallas, uh, Charles Tapper, their defensive end, has a fractured metatarsal and he's gone for the season as well. Uh, this, was a, this was a rough week for injuries overall. Yeah, and a lot of like the kind of big names that you kind of expect to be there at the end of the season making plays. Uh, obviously, Odell Beckham is like one of the icons of the league, so mm-hmm. uh, it's not good. It's not good for his sponsors. It's not good for the NFL, uh, and we can only hope that the recoveries go well and they'll all be back to full fitness next season. Uh, like in the case of Watt, for example, that's two seasons in a row. You'll wonder if that'll have an effect. All these injuries pile up. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, that doesn't happen. As much as we. Don't enjoy J.J. Watt's uh, endless uh, Shite. media media uh, appearances on the sideline. Like I will say, just on, in terms of the Watt injury, like I get that, and that's one hundred percent true. Like we we we're not fans of J.J. Watt. We think he's a phony. We think he's corny. It's so unfortunate. Like he's done mm. the best thing he did in his life this summer. He did incredible work yep. in Houston, and the guy who was already a, a hero to the city for sporting achievement became a hero for mm-hmm. humanitarian ones. And for this to happen, and from what I'm hearing now, I know we haven't got final confirmation on it, but what they're saying is is that the injury could be an avulsion, which is basically where the muscle actually tears the bone apart, um, where you're basically you're too strong for your own body, and instead of the tendon snapping, it pulls part of the bone off, and those are really hard to recover from. And like again, for all this about his personality and whatever, he's a phenomenal player, and uh, you have to hope he comes back the same, just because. Like we love to hate him. It's like Justin Tucker. We love to hate him. You want those kind of people in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, Like, you know. Connor's got a kind of dreamy look on his eyes. No, no, no. Justin Tucker and injury in the same sentence. But, uh,. But no, I will say, I've heard a couple of people mention this, and it might be an idea for, for, for JJ Watt that, like, realistically, maybe what he needs to do is he needs to come back, slim down. Maybe he's not going to be the big, bullying, kind of 18 sack guy. But, like, if he 
slims down, drops 25, 30 pounds off his frame and can just play as a slightly lighter, more athletic version of himself. You're just telling him to become TJ Watt, like. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, TJ Watt, uh, he's going to have a bigger season than JJ at this point, isn't he? Yeah, well. Travis Kelsey, apparently, there was uh, some issues surrounding the... He cleared concussion protocol on the field, was brought back into the game, and then after halftime, the Chiefs held him out. Uh, this has been addressed, I think, since by Andy Reid as well, to say... They, while the independent doctor cleared him, the guys were discuss- were chatting to him in the locker room at the halftime. They thought they didn't feel 100% about whether or not they wanted to bring him back out, so they left him on the sideline, which I think is at least a positive step in the way that you'd have your coaches deal with it rather than the shake it off. What was the, what was the old line? There was, a, there was a very famous old defensive player who said when he thought he had a concussion, he was seeing double or two. He was like, how, how many quarterbacks do you see? He goes, I see three. He says, right, hit the one in the middle. <laughs> like he was put back into the game. So it's nice to see that we're changing around, even though there was clearance to play, that that kind of thing is happening. They spot that like they cleared him and then he came back in and started talking about uh, renewing a second season of... Uh, of catching Kelsey. Catching Kelsey. Yeah. They were like, okay, you're concussed. Yeah. Right, Ooh, but the first one went so well. Um, now it's on to our favourite part of this and every week, crime and punishment. What are they doing? It's probably felonies. In one case, it might be. Uh, Miami's offensive line coach, Chris Forrester. Do you ever want to see the quick implosion of a man's career? It's this. Uh, a video did the rounds of him snorting white powder uh, in the company of a lady of the night who apparently released the video because he threatened her life. I don't think I've ever seen something happen this quickly. Also, I'm surprised that this happened and they waited till the following day to fire him. Yeah, I'm sorry, this is... I, this should be... Cause well, every, he, he actually preempted him and resigned, uh, but obviously... <laughs> every... It, it was coming. Every part of the story, and it shouldn't be, because it's a horrendous story. It's fucking hilarious. I'm oh, sorry. It's, it's fucking doing coke with a hooker who he's threatening and apparently might have got pregnant or something. Yeah, because oh, like, she's got to keep the baby yeah. in the video, yeah. This is just non-stop insanity. Also, there's something about a video of snorting coke whenever you're a line coach. <laughs> she's well, just like, yeah. you've got, <laughs> yeah, got to straighten that up. But if your job is to like protect Jay Cutler, wouldn't you feel a sense of futility? Oh, Larry Tunsil smokes weed and everyone loses his mind. <laughs> the fucking line coach is on coke, all right. Jesus, I'm sorry. This is just surreal. Like, oh yeah. It, but the thing is, you think it's surreal, and then you think about it, and you're like, if you were just remove the word dolphins and just say Miami, you're like, oh, this makes sense. Yeah, yeah. This makes, it does make sense. It does. This is one of these like terrible sci-fi channel remakes of uh, of. Um, it's not even that level. It's like, it's like a B plot from a throwaway episode of Ballers. It's like, yeah, it's, from, yeah from it ballers. is B plot from Ballers. <laughs> You're right. Um, in other news, Cincinnati wide receiver Tyler Boyd is now facing possession charges after a July car accident incident. Uh, yeah, I think we kind of knew these were coming down the line at some point, so we'll see how they work out. But uh, bad boy Boyd. It's not like he was doing anything on the field anyway. No, he wasn't. <laughs> uh, there's just other bits of news. Uh, ben Roethlisberger has come out and said what uh, he's said, I think, every off-season for the last four years. Maybe he doesn't have it anymore. Maybe he should look at retirement. Uh, this seems a little bit more close to the bone, given that he threw five interceptions, had a terrible game, lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, while part of this is joking, the fact that he's discussing this now in season as well would suggest that this is something that he's probably looking at a little bit more seriously. He's been getting a bit of a hammering behind that offensive line he's a big bodied quarterback who takes a lot of hits like he's constantly getting injured in seasons I can see it starting to catch up with him yeah well yeah I mean, I think it's a fun stat by the way so Ben Roethlisberger completed five passes to the Jacksonville to Jacksonville in that yeah. game Blake Bortles completed eight <laughs> it was not a good game 
But am I right in saying Jacksonville didn't pass in the entire second half? One, they had one incompletion in the one entire incom- second. Yes, yeah, so they had no they had no passes completed in the second half. One attempt for no, like it just it was a surreal game. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, Roethlisberger has looked consistently bad this season. Not even just the playing down to level of opposition. Like he has looked bad. He's looked out of sync with the receivers. Um, you can see teams are respecting the pass a lot less now and zeroing in on Bell. Although mm-hmm. Bell's got his own issues this season, if we're honest with ourselves. Good. I, I hate him. We all hate him. I think he can he can retire. The league is better off without people like that in it, frankly. Yep. And the way he's doing it, this is so funny. Like, Antonio Brown does a thing, and everyone's like, oh, what a diva. Oh, he's undermining the team. And Le'Veon Bell comes out and makes some comments, which got misreported, by the way, about him wanting the ball more. And he gave it the whole kind of, uh, you know, uh, it's like, oh, yeah. But he was sort of talking to the concept, I'll do whatever they want me to do. Roethlisberger comes out and does this, and everyone's like, oh, Big Ben, oh, no, no, the leadership. Yeah. But it's like, no, fuck off, man. Like, this is just... Because we know this. He's an attention seeker. He loves fucking attention. That's why he does this every offseason. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, he doesn't need that. People are respected more in America. Yeah, but that's, that's, that's the that's only true. Thing, difference between him and Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. He's kind of fat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. It's, 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 it's the both. But um, they, they just don't respect uh, skinny Americans. But um, look, I, I, look, at this look, point... Will Ferrell is an excellent comedic actor. If, and his, but, <laughs> his years of preparation for his new film... But seriously, for all my points about like why we don't like Rosberg, and I'd be happy to have him out of the league on like a moral and personal basis. The other thing is, is if he's not playing well, and this is how he's reacting to it, basically throwing a strop. Yeah, just get rid of him. Teams doesn't want him either. Like, you have to, you have to be in one hundred percent to play that position, especially the way Absolutely. he plays it, and he can't do it that way. Uh, Hall of Fame quarterback Y. Tittle has died at the age of ninety. Lovely chap. Not that surprising at the age of ninety. No, that's he's had a that's, that's <laughs> what, fair play to you. considering the health of football players. That's that's a pretty fine. That's one. impressive. This is, this, is, this is one brain that probably doesn't need to go in for CTE checking, I think. Uh, uh, did you not see the hit that ended... Well, well, we don't see it because we were like fetuses at the time. We were not born. But the, the hit that ended his career is yeah, famously it was violent. So. Horrible. I saw the picture and it's an incredible. Apparently the picture changed sports photography yeah. entirely. But, uh, but no, like, boy, did a great career, great, uh, great job afterwards and uh, dies at the age of 90. Uh, we had some kickoff from the... Terrible Game Pass scenario over here in Europe. So, um, Dimitri, who are the company provided over here, fresh off a big scandal around them faking reviews, uh, have now decided to provide a 20% refund to all European Game Pass owners after several weeks of, of technical errors. In a scenario where the NFL are losing viewers to illegal streams and everything, and their option is to provide an online stream that people can pay for and then get their, get their stuff on that, given that... Even people we know, even people like you, Harry, but definitely not you, because to say you would say that you were engaged in legal activities, but people just like you who would have bought Game Pass and might have then, in this house, gotten forced to go to illegal streams, but obviously like you, not you, uh, like, it's ridiculous. It is. And like, you see, you know, people like me don't pay, but not me, pay like 160 euro to get this fucking thing and then have to go... Uh, uh, onto oh I don't I don't know what website like I don't know where you, where you find streams uh, allegedly and then allegedly don't know where to f- wait what <laughs> I allegedly don't know where to find them no but it, it, it's it's a joke and the service has been choppy since the start and it's not just us I don't know what the situation is in America I don't know if a refund mm-hmm. is being offered but from what I saw on on Reddit people in America were having similar issues yeah it is a joke it is actually just a joke at this point. Um, we lost. I lost about an hour, uh, pretty much the entire first half, to be honest with you, of the early games, just with connection errors. Kept coming up with an error hilariously, telling the problems with my broadband, which would have been really funny if like everything else hadn't been working, yeah. except that one website. No, um, so they made a complete balls of it. Uh, I'm very surprised they offered a refund, to be honest with you, and I think that shows how 
just how painfully aware they are of how how badly they're getting on firstly how badly they're getting on but also like you said the threat of people just saying look it's the easiest thing in the world for me to go out and yeah. find something if I want to do it because there's Why definitely people you? not me but like you know people like me who would definitely do that yeah. criminals criminals Connor. criminals, criminals. Oh, you wouldn't steal a policeman's hat <laughs> you wouldn't download a car uh, I fucking would Europeans might be put off watching NFL because of poor service Americans are put off by NFL because black people. <laughs> oh my god! I don't think Europe is better, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh my! Better taste. And the final, the final bit of miscellaneous news from around the league this year: uh, Chicago finally broken the worst of all of the records that were being held. Uh, they had not won a coin toss. Uh, in 14 I think it's only the games that they got yeah that they got to pick as well they've lost uh, the last 14 times that they got to call the the coin toss Uh, but they managed to get it right this time and as I believe we will be discussing quite soon it did not go that well for them Fitz as a statistician how likely is that? Uh, I think it's like one in like uh, 16,000 or something like that oof wow that is unlucky. Yeah. But like that, that like you know, that's that's for this particular. Obviously, you're like lots of coin tosses are happening all the time. So the actual probability of it happening to any team is very different. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's let's not delve further into that. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, if you're interested, you can come in the off season to Fitz's stats corner. Uh, that's the section of the podcast Boy, that we cut out every time we corner. edit. Oh, is that, that, that's the new punt corner yeah the new, the, the new punting forecast um, I suppose with that we'll move on have a look at the games from this week so first up in the ring of honour we have Green Bay at Dallas 35-31 to this went down to the wire it's a thrilling matchup between these two teams Packers got the ball back with 1 minute and 13 seconds left down 28-13 to and uh, after failing on the exact same play previously Rodgers runs it again Devontae Adams picks up a 12 yard touchdown in the corner of the end zone Dallas led in yards in time of possession. They got big games out of all of their contributors. Dak Prescott was 25 to 36 for 251, three touchdowns and an interception. Zeke went over 100 yards. They had 10 different pass catchers. And even David Irving, fresh off his scandal about the Holocaust, got two sacks. Uh, they got performances from everywhere, but they just couldn't get it done. Aaron Rodgers, 19 of 29 for 221 yards and three touchdowns. Got sacked four times, which just shows how much production Dallas were getting from their defense, which are not known for their pass rush, and we're still missing some of their main players. Uh, Aaron Jones, though, was the was the story of this game, I think. This Rookie running back coming in to replace Ty Montgomery. He's got his rib injury. 19 carries, 125 yards and a touchdown. Ronan, uh, Green Bay are now 4-1 and one and have found a bit of a running game here. I was watching it at the time with a, with a Packers fan. I said, this is quite an intimidating looking team whenever they've got that option as well. Like, even though they were behind at a number of points in this game, it never quite felt out of, out of hand at all. Like, this team seemed to be rounding nicely into form. Within the NFC, who's going to be challenging them? Well, like I think within the NFC, it's it's tough to know. Like we're in the middle of the season, obviously things can happen. The Packers are already dealing with injuries, um, but I think it'll be the usual suspects. I think in the NFC, I think Dallas obviously did a good job here, although they're in a tough uh, NFC East against the Eagles. Uh, the Seahawks are a team that generally comes into form towards the end of the season. The Atlanta Falcons, the Carolina Panthers, they're looking really well. The Atlanta Falcons have a lot of talent, and the Carolina Panthers are starting to round into the kind of form that talk, took them to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Uh, so there's a lot of contenders there. But like right now, like this was a game, like yeah, Aaron Jones had a really good game uh, and, and absolutely made this, like, gave that team an extra dimension. 
but it's also true that like Aaron Rodgers basically I don't know what Dallas did to Aaron Rodgers at some point I don't know if Jerry Jones like took a piss in his like in, in his breakfast bowl or something but like he went into the don't you dare piss in my cornflakes Jerry Jones <laughs> Like, you know, he went into the playoffs last year, ruined the Cowboys, like, oh, like you know, one of their best seasons in recent history. And now he comes into their house again and actually destroys them. Because, like, looking at that last drive, like, you know, the objective with one minute left is usually to get a field goal. But Aaron Rodgers looked like he was, like, really, really, really intensely wanted to score a touchdown and have the game over and not have to go to overtime. So, like, when Aaron Rodgers was on, is on that kind of form and in that kind of like headspace, it's really pretty much impossible to stop him. And like, don't forget, on that last drive, he was without Jordy Nelson as well, and yet still managed to look basically otherworldly. So, the things about this thing that are scary for other teams when you're talking about the Packers, it's like that the Cowboys actually did manage to pretty much execute the game that they like to play. They ran the ball a lot, they controlled the clock, they had the more, they had more possessions. But the Packers, on every, uh, with the exception of a couple of uh, short possessions. On nearly every possession that they had that got going uh, after the first few plays, they scored a touchdown. And that was enough to keep them in this game till the very end. And it was enough to leave them up with that opportunity to win the game at the end. I think if the Packers' offense can be this efficient and can put up this many points with so little opportunity, with so little time, then it's very hard to see anyone beating them in that form. And this is, you know, I think with the injuries that they have the offensive line uh, at the moment, with their two tackles still dealing with injuries, uh, and they come back... That just makes them even more scary, especially if this Aaron Jones uh, can be the solution at running back or be a complement to Ty Montgomery, be the actual bruiser to the Ty Montgomery, maybe more scat back. And in that case, like you know, the pack could go, uh, could easily are probably now the favorites in the NFC. Um, so yeah, like you know, Dallas executes their game flawlessly. The Packers win anyway. It reminds you of the playoffs uh, last year. Yeah. And it's really scary for the NFL that Aaron Rodgers is, seems to be in, in the headspace that he could just do these things again that we kind of expect Aaron Rodgers to do based on his Hall of Fame career so far. No, of course, of course. Uh, Harry, like Dallas fall to 2-3 and three here. They're 1-2 at home. But like we said, this was a good performance. This was a very strong performance. Like, maybe if you want to give a criticism at them the defence is weak at times and they need to probably build more talent around there because let's be honest this offence the people who are complaining about it, it it delivered like you're scoring 30 plus points in two weeks and you're losing both those games like what it put me in mind a little bit of was Tony Romo's career of even when Tony Romo was playing at the top of his game the defence wasn't there to do it he can put up 50 points against the Broncos but they're not going to get a stop for him and that kind of stuff is this a team that lives and dies on how much production they can get out of that defence? It's. I don't know if I quite go back to the Tony Romo years. Like I feel the defense is better. Bear in mind, like Aaron Rodgers was still held to like 180 yards, 19 of 29 passing, which is fine. But it's not like a dominant. Uh, that's not a dominant performance by him. And he did get going towards the end and look absolutely unstoppable. But he also looked eminently stoppable for parts of the game. He saw some decent play out of, out of Dallas to limit him in the early going. And like Dallas were the better team in the first half, and really it was in the second half. Packers came out and, and torched them. Yes, this defense has problems, but the pass rush looked much improved. Um, the, the, there's still a lot of inexperience in the backfield, but we saw some nice plays made by the young corners in coverage. And yeah, they got exposed eventually when they got caught out down the stretch. But for large parts of the game, they made life very, very difficult for Green Bay. And you have to take sort of heart from that kind of performance and be like, okay, there, there's something here. It's not as good as it was last year. The things are going to be difficult. And ultimately, the defense didn't lose this game, by the way. Like, as much as we can talk about Aaron Rodgers and his, you know, that final drive and everything, it was a back-breaking pick six that ultimately made the difference in this game that put Aaron Rodgers in a position that he could do that. 
that's what it came down to. It was an offensive mistake, not a defensive mistake. And yes, your defense wasn't good enough to stop Aaron Rodgers, but in that sort of end-of-game scenario, there are very few defenses in the league that are good enough to stop Aaron Rodgers. So I don't think it was a disaster. This was, like I said, this was one turnover away from being a Cowboys victory. If they don't throw that uh, interception and let Demarius Randall run it back, there's, there's, there's no question they're winning this game. So... Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be worrying too much about it yet, and I think that the defense looks like it's actually getting be- a little bit better week on week. Although obviously there's still a ways to go, mm. and they do still have a piece or two to come back from injury as well. So there's, there's that for them. Uh, we'll move on to the neutral zone. So we went for Buffalo at Cincinnati for this one, sixteen to twenty. There's one team stepping up and one team potentially stepping back as the first place Bills, still the first place Bills in the AFC East. Fall back, fall to the Bengals. Uh, Tyro Taylor was poor. He was sacked six times and hit eight more times. Uh, he went 20 of 36 for 166 yards. That's four and a half average. Uh, one touchdown interception. Uh, combine that with 82 yards on the ground, and it's going to be hard to compete in any game at all. Uh, Andy Dalton had a mixed game. 22 of 36 for 328 yards, but only one touchdown and two interceptions. Joe Mixon got 50 yards on a touchdown. AJ Green, though, like 189 yards on a touchdown. Boy went off in this game. Uh, after losing three straight in a row now, they're only one game back in the AFC North as well, which is, uh, honestly as well, we'll probably chat about this a little bit, the AFC North is looking like it's almost anyone's game at the moment. We mentioned mm-hmm. how rough the Steelers are looking and we discussed how confusing the, 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 the Ravens are. So I suppose, Harry, I'll come to you. Is this Bengals team with Bill Lazor at OC one that can potentially compete for it? Like, they're 51 and 23 in the last two games since Bill Lazor took over. Dalton is 47 66 for 614 yards and five touchdowns. They have a bye week and then they face Pittsburgh. Like, is this just a surprising, this is a new look, this is a new offense thing, or is this something that they might be able to compete with? Well, Bill Lazor did something very simple, which Ken Zampese didn't want to do this season, and said, hey, how about we throw the ball to AJ Green? Yep. Like, how about we target AJ Green 10 times a day? That's about now. AJ Green was also responsible for three turnovers. Yep, he was. But it didn't matter in the end. And that's the thing. This is one of the toughest defenses in the league. You're able to beat them despite giving them the ball uh, three times. That, like, that's, that's, a, that's a good sign. Yeah. And I think the risk thing here, we've seen Dalton look a bit more comfortable. We've seen um, them kind of be able to... He's still taking a lot of hits, and we saw him get hurt again today. But it looks like the style, is leaving, the style of offense they're running now is leaving him a lot less exposed. It looks like they're now basically... Partially, I think, just due to a lack of other threats, to be honest. But they are engineering AJ Green open. Um, he's finding they're finding a lot more sort of space. And they're not trying to do deep things. A lot of like, if you look at Green's things, they run after the catch opportunities. They're kind of isolating him in one-on-one situations. And that's a good sign. That's a positive sign. We know this Bengals team has talent, and we also not just on the offense because we can talk about that, but also you have to remember on the defensive side of the ball, the return of Vontaze Burfitt has actually made a difference to this team. He had 13 tackles today, a sack, and a pass defense. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's a dirty, dirty player, but he's good. And maybe what we saw early on for the Bengals isn't going to indicate it. Can they win this division? Absolutely. Look, we know Pittsburgh are not playing well. We discussed that earlier. Um, Baltimore are all over the place and don't look like they can beat like good teams. And the, oh, the Browns are just... like it's, yeah. It's just got sad again. So yeah, Cincinnati can absolutely take this. Will they? I don't know. This team, I think when they come up against a, a, a good team... Like Baltimore, they are going to stumble. Are there good teams in this division? Right now, not really. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you can get a team with a good de- offense that can expose the Bengals' defense, which the Bills aren't, Baltimore definitely aren't, 
Cleveland aren't, and Pittsburgh don't look like they are right now, even though they should be. Yeah, yeah. This this team could 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 win the rest of their divisional games and end up taking this division. Yeah, it'd be very interesting to see. Big big turnaround if that was to happen. Yeah. Uh, Roland, like I struggle. I was going to say three quality wins. I'll say two quality wins against the Broncos and the Falcons, and then a half one against the Jets because. The Jets, who the fuck is expecting this? Uh, and then, like, kind of two odd losses. So, like, 9-3 to three against the Panthers. And then, obviously, this game that they lost 16-20. to 20. Like, the run game hasn't been working for them. The passing game hasn't really been working for them. It's been quite variable. Like, I don't know what this Bills team is, but they're still sitting there at 3-2. At and two. Like, what is... Outside of just the term variance, what is this team? Well, I, I, like the Bills to me don't seem like a, a variable team. Like you know, last week I was talking about why I don't trust the Bills. That's the fact that their game is built around a good defense, which is probably better than the sum of its parts in terms of talent level, uh, and an offense which is anemic. Like it's an offense that only has one real direction, and that's Tyrod Taylor running the ball, LaShawn McCoy running the ball, and teams are zoning in on that, stacking the box and bottling them up. Like, the Bills haven't had a good offensive showing this season. None of their wins have been based on good offense. It's all been based on that defense. And, you know, when you look at their offensive core, they lose Jordan Matthews last week, and suddenly what little production they did have outside is pretty much gone. Like, they, they drafted this rookie, Zay Jones. He's done nothing. Uh, they, Charles Clay has been probably their best receiver, and he's now dealing with injuries. So, like, Nick O'Leary becomes like the top receiver this week I think when you look at this team it's kind of like a, a microcosm it's like it's gone like what it was like last season where that kind of read option Tyrod Taylor LaShawn McCoy combination was quite exciting but now they're so completely dependent on that and because of Tyrod Taylor's like very noble limitations there's not really where somewhere they can go to like Tyrod Taylor's not going to ascend your wide receiver core and this wide receiver core is bad and therefore they're not really making the plays. You know, right now, you're kind of thinking, if they still had Sammy Watkins, this could actually be like a team that could be going 4-1 uh, or 5-0. Five, five and oh. But because they lack that offensive weapon outside, because they lack someone, anyone, anyone, please, just to try and create some, take some pressure off uh, the run game, it's just a team that kind of looks like it's going to be involved in these incredibly close games due to that defense. And they're just going to be based on the number of coin flips throughout the rest of the season. Um, it's going to be the same script again and again. Maybe that'll be enough to get them in the playoffs. But personally, I don't think so. I think this is looking more like a, maybe a seven-win campaign or something to that effect. Uh, like, which is promising enough for them. But it's kind of it's promising enough in the sense that they're making progress. But it's also poor enough in the sense that the issues that they have, there doesn't seem to be any kind of plan to to fix them in the immediate future. So they're going to have to rely on the draft to really get over them. Fair enough. So that takes us down to the dumpster fire. This week we're looking at the Vikings at the Bears, 20-17 to on Monday Night Football. Uh, this was a pretty brutal game, lots and lots of mistakes, and there was actually more things that should have been mistakes that just happened to work out okay. Mitch Trubisky was 12 of 25 for 128 yards, one touchdown and one interception, and the touchdown should have been an interception. He threw it, it came off the helmet of a defender who should have picked it off, and then was just dropped into the hands of his tight end. They had 115 yards on the ground and that helped, but realistically, like this game was 270 yards of offense versus 300 yards of offense, which 
you would think would mean a great defensive showing. There was good individual performances. Floyd and Akeem Hicks both had two sacks each and three quarterback hits each. They like Defensively, they had 14 hits on the quarterback, so that was a pretty good showing from the Bears' defense. Uh, Bradford left just before the half, having gone 5 of 11 for 36 yards and four sacks. Uh, I think it was probably a safe idea to pull him at that point. Uh, Jarek McKinnon was the only kind of bright spot on that offense. He had 95 uh, yards and a touchdown, and he also had 51 yards receiving. So, Ronan... I'll come to you on this first. Bradford did not look right in this game. And this team, outside of that one surprisingly good run from McKinnon, didn't look particularly good. In fact, I'd say they nearly kind of just looked dreadful on offense. Like, was this a factor of adversity with them expecting to play the other quarterback? Was it an issue of not having tape on what this offense from the Bears is going to look like? Or is this just looking at what the ceiling of this team actually is? Yeah, like I would definitely go with the latter. I think, you know... Sam Bradford was rolled in, like obviously based on his week one performance, they thought, you know, he could provide the spark, the imagination that could ascend the offense uh, to being like good, actually, not actually just be just mediocre, but actually being a good offense, which we saw then. Uh, but it was very obvious that Sam Bradford is not fit, is not capable of playing quarterback. I think on that sack uh, in the end zone for the safety, is probably he held onto the ball so long, he just looked like he wasn't comfortable out there he wasn't comfortable throwing the ball except if he could set his feet and that just isn't possible to do that uh, as a quarterback in the NFL uh, unless you're you know one of the magic people like Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or Ben Roethlisberger etc um, I think in terms of the rest of the offense you bring in Case Keenum and Case Keenum has done a solid job uh, when he's been brought in he hasn't been amazing he hasn't been bad I think he's pretty much the best you can expect from a kind of journeyman backup be put into a starter spot and with Jeremy McKinnon, he stood up a bit. He had that really good run. Otherwise, wasn't that great. But I think he provides that kind of dynamic presence outside of, out of the backfield that Latavius Murray just isn't right now. Latavius Murray looks very one-dimensional. Looks like he doesn't really add anything to his offense. I think Latavius Murray is basically just we've seen as like a closer in games in which they managed to get ahead. Like the one positive for the the Vikings is the same positive they've had for the last couple of seasons is that the defense continues to be smothering it continues to make plays and against the rookie quarterback they made him look very much like the rookie quarterback he is as you say the only touchdown that they gave away was really should have been interception it was just a bit of poor luck but all day they were getting pressure on Trubisky even though they were trying to move the pocket even though Chicago were trying to make sure that he wasn't in a in, in a sackable position I think that speaks to the quality they have there so I think the Minnesota Vikings are a lot like the like the Buffalo Bills there's a definite ceiling on them while Case Keenum is their quarterback but they are the kind of team that will be in close games throughout the season and that gives them hope I suppose that they can reach that kind of uh, 9 and 7 10 and 6 if they're very lucky situation and scrape through as a wild card uh, I don't think they're going to compete against the Packers within their division but if they manage to make the, the wild card I'm sure they'll be very delighted with that uh, so yeah we know who they are with Case Keenum they're solid they'll give you a tough game uh, but expect a lot of close games like this where they may scrape it through uh, sometimes they get sometimes they get to look like this game sometimes they won't uh, but it probably won't be any too uh, yeah. overwhelming for the NFL audience no fair enough uh, Harry like this was the rookie's first game and uh, like he looked shaky but he did at times look good he had some nice passes in the game there was very decent movement from him being able to like what we were saying like they were opening up spots for them to use a lot of bootleg a lot of play action a lot of like dump off but they didn't do as much of it as we thought they would at all like 
this doesn't look like it's a solution as it stands, or at least given them the spark that they were hoping it would give them. Have they moved too early in bringing this rookie in, or what do you think? Well, look, I think as we said before, I think we agreed on this, um, it is too early, Trubisky isn't ready, we've said this since the draft, but they had to, like they really had no choice. It was like, we have to see what we have here. Now, um, apparently Pat O'Donnell is the best quarterback on the yeah, team, that was a little weird. Yeah. They had to do it, really. I think their hand was forced. It was like, look, we can either keep accepting that we're not going to win or we can try something different. And as it turns out, it was, as we suspected, unfortunately, too much too soon. Came out through one really, really pretty pass, and then it was just downhill all the fucking way from there. Mm-hmm. With that said, Chicago were unlucky. Um, Jordan Howard had a 42-yard touchdown run call back on a very questionable holding call. Uh, so that, that, that would have obviously made the difference to them. But right now, the same problem exists for Trubisky as existed for Glennon insofar as that there is not anyone to throw the ball to. They still have problems with, with basically not having receivers. Um, we're seeing uh, Cohen and Howard facing more and more eight-man boxes, and the Vikings are a team who are able to do that well. It, it, it was a difficult spot, and it's a difficult spot for this team in, in general. Um, and I think the hope for them is, is like, right, okay, let's see how Trubisky develops over the next few games. Let's see as he gets more comfortable with the playbook, as he gets more comfortable, maybe gets in sync with the receivers. Maybe that will open up something for the run game to work yeah. and, and let them have a more balanced thing. Similar to Minnesota, the positive is the defense looked good. It really did. Leonard Floyd, as, as you mentioned, had a fantastic game, um, including in that safety of, of Bradford. I think I put that more on Bradford than I do on... It, it uh, was on Bradford. Like, look, you still somebody's got to do it, you know? And he yeah. had another sack and a bunch of tackles during the game. It, it, it was decent from the defense. But yeah, the, the offense remains difficult. Um, ultimately, it's, it's, it is going to be a lost season now. I think we know that for sure. We don't think Trubisky's good enough. We'll see how he develops. John Fox is gone. Yeah. Like, John Fox, the minute John Fox uh, managed to get a delay of game penalty after calling a timeout, it was like, right, we're done here. Now, redeemed it a little with the fake punt, but... <laughs> Like yeah, I just I'm not sure. And the two point conversion. And the two point oh. conversion. That's true. Mm. Um, but yeah, <laughs> overall, just uh, it's difficult. We'll see where Trubisky is after a couple of weeks, but on this basis, it's like he's got a long way to go. He does. Um, yeah. And they were, to be honest, Chicago were ultimately fortunate that the Vikings are a team who are suffering from bad in Bradford or mediocre in Keenum quarterback play from the opponents. Because as much as their defense looked good, with their offense being as anemic as it was. A good team, a better team, would have worn that defense out and ended up just running away with it. Yeah, no, of course. But yeah, so I suppose we're running a little bit late because there was so much news, so I think we'll go straight on to the games for next week. So yeah, so first game up we have is uh, Philadelphia-Carolina. I've gone for Carolina. Fitz and Harry, you've gone for Philadelphia. Harry, this is your game of the week, and I understand why. This is going to be an excellent game. Yeah, well, it should be Thursday night, so who the fuck knows. But this this is great. Like, Philly are a good team this season, and yeah. I think... We thought, you know, there maybe we'll see how it goes with Philly. There's a lot of potential here, and, and they've delivered. Now, I had them in the preseason sun. I had you them. You did, you did, and I will see. Remember how last season went. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a team that looks like it has really grown in the off season. Uh, Wentz has developed fantastically. Looks like a genuinely quality starting quarterback. And um, the white new wide receiving core is looking good. Like Jeffries looked good. Torrey Smith has been useful in spots. Uh, Nelson Aguilar has become competent. It's yeah. weird. Like that, I mean, that, that, that touchdown where he fell backwards into the end zone was beautiful. It was. It was. He absolutely destroyed Butter Baker on that play. There are concerns still about the defense, and that's what makes this game interesting. Because, like, right, look, 
this team can, can run the score on teams, it can, it can outpace them, it can poke them. Carolina suddenly rounded into form, bizarrely after losing Greg Olsen, who you would have thought was one of their best players. Yeah. And this might be because Newton was taking a little while to work out. Like We know he lives a lot of time in the off-season and was uh, struggling to get into rhythm. Now he has seems to have found refound his connection with Kelvin Benjamin, seems to have developed some, a genuine connection with, with Funchess. Um, Christian McCaffrey is, while he's still not like this a thing we thought that people were hyping him up to be, has shown himself to be competent and also a good decoy player. Yeah. And they're using him very intelligently. Jonathan Stewart is still a very solid running back. And we know their defense is decent, but again, with questions in the defensive backfield. And, and they now have a tight end that averages 35 yards as a catch. Yeah, that was just... <laughs> I just forgot Ed Dixon existed for half that game. That was amazing. So this could be this is going to be, I think, a fun game because these are two teams that have now shown that their offenses are in form. They're moving the ball well. They both have like good defensive fronts, but questions for the defensive backs. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to be a fun game. I think we're going to see those the strengths of the offense shine, and we're really going to see the kind of the vertical threat that both these teams are capable of pulling off have success here. I think it's going to be fun. The reason I think it's going to be the Eagles is I just right now, as much as I love Cam Newton as a footballer, though not so much as a person after this week, that Eagles thing has looked so in sync and so clean mm-hmm. um, throughout the games. Like, yeah, okay. The, the, like the, the last pick the only, the only real flaw Carson, Carson Wentz had last week was he threw a pick but it was a, like an end of the half desperation heaves that didn't really mean anything like this this team is playing great football uh, like Aaron Blunt has shown that he actually can do it outside of New England which is weird but it's happening and it's very very exciting so I think it's going to be a high powered offensive game I think we're going to see big catches I think we're going to see spectacular catches deep throws but I think in the end Philly just have that little bit more right now they're mm-hmm. just clicking that a little bit better but I can see the argument for Carolina and I can see the, you know, the experience the physicality that that team can bring but right now I just think Philly yeah. are on a hot streak and I'd be, I'd be inclined to swing with them I also would say add in the on a Thursday night game probably not the worst idea to pick the home team but we'll see uh, next up Chicago Baltimore have taken Baltimore across the board Fitz yeah I think we, we discussed the limitations of the Chicago team uh, we'll see what Trubisky does. Baltimore seem to get back on track this week, and their defense their defense still looks quite good. And Joe Flacco finally seems to be doing things, which yeah. is surprising. Uh, I think you know Baltimore. They're a well coached team. Uh, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt that they've got over the hump, but that they can put up a few results now against the lesser teams that they'll be facing no, uh, and get a win at home. Yeah. Uh, next up, Green Bay, Minnesota. We've got Green Bay across the board. Uh, fairly simple. We discussed the limitations of Minnesota there when we were looking at the games from last week. Green Bay are looking in perfect form at the moment. Even their defense is looking quite good. Uh, I just can't see a scenario where they're not going to win this game. Uh, next up, we have San Francisco at Washington. We've taken the Mazungus across the board. Harry? Like, San Fran are bad. They are a bad team. I think we know that by now. There's nothing exciting there. They're such a bad team that they've come out and said, oh, uh, you know the only player who's been good in our offense, our running back? Yeah, we don't even know if we want to really... We don't even know if we really want to start him. Like, uh, what is going Breda. on? Yeah, what, what is going on amazing. It's, 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 it's Matt Breda hype. absolutely ridiculous. I, I like Washington to have their problems. They'll be without Josh Norman. But, like, San Fran are just a shambles at the moment. And this should be a fairly easy one for Washington. Fair enough. Uh, Detroit at New Orleans. I've gone New Orleans. Fitz has gone New Orleans. You've gone Detroit. Uh, still loving that Detroit hype train. Mm, I'm all over that Detroit hype train. I'm going to keep picking Detroit all season. Uh, look, Giving us a chance to get back into the pick game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, look, Detroit, you know, forgot that uh, Dixon existed and whatever. But, like, here's the thing. New Orleans, you know, that high-powered offense and so on. Detroit showing a solid defense. Uh, New Orleans have lost their best defensive lineman. That's an issue, and I think that's one of the key issues in this game. 
is that we haven't actually seen great stuff from uh, New Orleans offensively. It's been a little bit all over the place. Losing a guy like Streif against uh, a Lions front seven that's in, let's be honest, tremendous form and might have Darren Lee back for this game, that's not necessarily what you want to be. And while Drew Brees is a phenomenal quarterback, we've seen games where he has just got beaten into the turf and, and can't get it away. So right now, I'm not loving this New Orleans team. I'm not loving the spot it's in. Their defense is still poor. And while the Lions' offense has been really all over the place uh, this season, I think the New Orleans defense is, is, is exploitable, still remains exploitable enough um, for them to be able to win this one. Fitz? Yeah, like I think it's going to be a close game, as inevitably all Lions games are. Uh, and obviously there's a, there's a lot of uh, question marks over Matt Stafford's injury at the moment. During the, like, that fourth quarter of the last game, he was limping around a lot. So there's questions over that. He still managed to score touchdowns because it's fourth quarter, but uh, obviously there's a little bit of an issue there. I think just at home, like the the New, the New Orleans Saints, the defense seems to have like got something going in the last couple of weeks, and that should be enough to keep this a close game. And I think in a close game, I think I trust Drew Brees when he's fully healthy over a hobbled uh, Matt Stafford. Uh, but I think yeah, you could you could call this this is one of the closer games of the week. Uh, it's probably not the most exciting. Uh, but I think it should be an interesting game, and it'll be very important to see because these teams are probably two that you can expect to be in the hunt for the wild cards uh, towards the end of the season as well. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, Miami, Atlanta. We've taken Atlanta across the board. Uh, Atlanta look very good. Miami do not. Uh, let's see if we can get more than what was it like? It was the third quarter, and it was like forty-three passing yards for 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 uh, Jay Cutler. Uh, we'll see if they can manage more than that. Uh, I don't. Or know. Matt Moore. Or Matt Moore. But to be honest, like realistically, at this point. I think you need to be looking at Matt Moore while he's limited and we know what his limitations are he played okay when he was stepping in to cover for Tannehill last season like outside of getting absolutely murdered on a couple of hits uh, like he, he definitely was giving them more in his st- spot work last year than Jay Cutler is giving them at the moment in his in the starting role uh, Cleveland at Houston oh wow Harry we've taken Houston across the board is it just because Cleveland are that sad it is yeah uh, no JJ Watt no Whitney Merciless Miles Garrett looks good. Doesn't you know? None of that's going to matter. Cleveland are all over the place. They literally don't know who their starting quarterback is, and that's yeah. Again, Cleveland don't know who their starting quarterback is. This yeah, is we didn't we didn't even mention it in the podcast. Like they literally benched their their rookie halfway through the game because he was just doing so poorly. Yeah. Like it's just it's a clusterfuck down there. It is. Yeah. So uh, basically, if if anyone's looking for a straight up bet, always bet against Cleveland at the moment. Uh, they're on sixteen. Uh, they're on zero and sixteen. Watch, not sixteen and zero. Watch. Uh, be very hard after losing at least even one game to go on sixteen and zero. Watch. Uh, next up, we have uh, New England at the Jets. We've taken New England across the board. Fitz, uh, you don't think the Jets can maintain their position above the Pats? Do you believe in the McCarnisons? <laughs> <laughs> the Jets erection. Uh, no, uh, I imagine like the Jets have picked on some pretty poor teams, with perhaps the exception of Jacksonville. But Jacksonville are a random number generator right now, red generator right now, so can't really be trusted as, as, a, as a as a statement win. Obviously, if the Jets did manage to win, that would be huge. But I think New England come into the Jets and do what they've done to the Jets for many years now and give them an absolute spanking in their hometown. Uh, and all of those Jets fans can go back to their I don't know caves and cry, and then you know. Start, start following the rumours about Sam Darnold again uh, mm. as they were doing at the beginning of the season uh, yeah. so New England because they're good the, the, the only problem is that the Jets are now going to struggle to be able to get up to get 
stopped Arnold because they've unfortunately won too many games already <laughs> potentially uh, next up we have Tampa Bay at Arizona uh, Vaughn taking Tampa Bay it's pretty obvious why uh, Arizona are dog shit and the addition of uh, Adrian Peterson is going to change that Tampa Bay while Messi are a better team and can't see any other result coming out of this next up we have the LA Rams at the Jacksonville Jaguars this is Ronan's pick of the week uh we have a very mixed bag of suggestions. I've gone large Jax. Uh, Fitz has gone Jax, but really variants. And Harry's gone 7 or 9 bullshit. So, uh, Ronan, do you want to explain your call on this being your game of the week? <laughs> so, if you, if you really like uncertainty, if you really like not knowing the outcome of game, then this is pretty much the game for you. You have two teams here who have basically got new coaches uh, and have turned into these kind of weird monstrosities who one game can look like absolute world beaters and the other can look absolutely terrible. So we'll start with Jacksonville, who have gone uh, through a fascinating run of games, uh, you know, blowing at the Texans in week one, getting blown out by the Titans in week two, blowing at the Ravens in week three, losing to the Jets in week four, and then blowing out the Steelers in week five. Like, if you want to predict what the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to do any given week, except perhaps that they will lose this week because it's it's an even-numbered week, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I don't really know. It's impossible to really know what the Jacksonville Jaguars... Like, like, their game plan is very obvious. Don't let Blake Bortles have the ball, hand it off to Leonard Fournette, and just do that, you know, a thousand times until the end of time. Uh, and sometimes that works, and sometimes it doesn't. It's like, you know, that was what Marone talked about in the offseason, like, that the ideal of their football this season would be that and they are dedicating to it and fair play to them it's, it's getting some interesting results uh, on the Rams side uh, they've kind of turned into like like the fun house mirror version and, and the fun like definitely emphasis on the fun fun house mirror version of the Jeff Fisher Rams in the sense that you know just when you might trust them uh, suddenly they put up a stinker like they did in the, it's, it's like in in their home stadium uh, well home in inverted commas stadium against Seattle uh, they basically, in the red zone, managed to basically do nothing, even though they managed to look pretty good in between uh, the 220s. Uh, so for me, like the Rams last week, you saw that like Jared Goff is definitely making steps forward. I still don't think he's worth all the picks that they got, did, like they put in to try and get him last season, but he's making progress. They're taking pressure with Todd Gurley, but it's just also true that when you put him under pressure, when you put him on the spot, he is still too prone to that stupid boneheaded mistake. He like he, when you think about that Washington game, he managed to basically blow the game there. In the Seattle game, he held it well too long. He threw interceptions. He got sacked. And even though a lot of that's down to a good Seattle defense, it's still a situation that this Rams team, like we we were just about well, you guys more accurately, were just about probably to give some hope to the Rams. And then they just blow it. And that's just classic Rams. That's exactly what you expect from them. And so you come in here, you're against the Jacksonville Jaguars, another random number generator, and you ask, who, which one of these three and two teams is actually the one that will will make it happen? Yeah. And for me, I don't know. Like, honestly, I'm saying Jacksonville because they're at home and because when they win, they tend to really win. But uh, the Rams could easily turn this into another shootout yeah. uh, and win it that uh, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, myself, myself and Harry have decided to side with the Rams. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a stupid game. It's a stupid game, so that should make it interesting. Uh, it's like it's like a higher level version of the game that Harry picked last year, last week, basically. Uh, you know, these are three and two game teams, but they're not really three and two teams, if you know what I mean. 
Yeah. I'd say I only picked the Rams because Runner reminded me that uh, the Rams were a drop pass away from beating the Seahawks. So yeah, uh, it was. If only Cooper Cup had pulled that one in, yeah. uh, it would have been very different shite that you were talking instead of that. Mm. Uh, <laughs> LA Chargers at Oakland. I've taken the Chargers, and you two have taken Oakland. So uh, I suppose Harry, why Oakland? Yeah, I think this is obviously assuming that Derek Carr. No, is... you picked Oakland regardless. <laughs> I know I picked Oakland regardless. I know I picked Oakland regardless, but it is under the assumption that Derek Carr plays. Um, The Chargers... I'm sorry, the Chargers are a bad team. We have seen this. They are a bad team. They were extremely lucky to beat an extremely bad New York Giants team because every single player on the Giants offense got injured during that game. They just don't look convincing. They look completely disorganized. The Raiders, we know, with Derek Carr, are a different animal to what they are without Derek Carr. Yes, they have problems on the defense. Yes, the O-line seems patchier than it did last year. It doesn't matter. Um, Crabtree is still playing great. Amari Cooper isn't doing anything. That's fine. Derek Carr is sitting receivers I've never even heard of this season Mm -hmm. for touchdowns. So, yeah, basically on that basis, this this, uh, charge defense for all the talent in the pass rush isn't playing well. Their offense for all the talent in the receivers isn't playing well. Oakland have something special in Carr, and if he's even at 90%, they should win this game. Yeah, uh, like I said, I I don't have the same trust at all in this Oakland team as you guys do uh, the, the more I look back on the stuff they've done the less impressed I am by it uh, Connor and his throne of ease looking down at all these puny AS <laughs> <laughs> but no like uh, Chargers I think are messy unorganised they've got the talent they've shown flashes of it at times uh, I think this they will be able to play better in this scenario because even though it's an away game, it's an away game they're used to because in division away game, which will feel closer to a home game than their home <laughs> games are. So that will make them feel like this is a home game. Uh, I just, I just, I have a feeling, gut feel, that's all it is. Gut feel, Chargers take this one and they move to a two and four in the season. Um, Pittsburgh at KC, this is my game of the week uh, just because you guys took the two really good ones. This should be interesting. We've gone KC across the board. I think Kansas City should be good enough to do it, but it has that feel of the game we're going to fuck up. We don't have the greatest record against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, last year, in fact, because Pittsburgh just got the shit kicked out of them by Jacksonville. Uh, last year, when the Eagles were terrible, the Eagles kicked the living shit out of Pittsburgh, uh, won by 30-something points. And then the following week, uh, KC got the living shit kicked out of them by Pittsburgh. So Landry this- Jones led Pittsburgh out uh, no, it was what Ben. Was, what was that? Maybe the season before. It was the season before. Yeah, we lost like, to Landry, yeah, lost to Landry Jones one, I think point. three years ago. Um, Still but yeah, no, that was the that was the, the the Ben get right game. So hopefully this isn't another Ben get right game. Hopefully this is a continuing the actually yeah maybe you don't have it Ben. Uh, maybe you should consider that out of retirement. But uh, it should be fun. I'm looking forward to watching it because I've been fucking. Oh, I just didn't have the heart to stay up to watch the, the, the cheese game the last night. It's like, it's it's half one in the morning. If I start watching, I can't just watch the first half. I'll end up staying up for the whole thing and then I'll be dead for work on Monday. So I just watch the highlights afterwards. So KC across the board. Next up, New York Giants at the Denver Broncos. We've taken Denver across the board. Harry? Yeah, I mean, look, the Giants have no receivers mm-hmm. and they're going up against the best run defense in the league. That's not a recipe for success. No, it's not at all. Uh, and it's also very difficult to go to Denver and play anyway. So, uh, party times, Giants. Hope you enjoy it. And finally, Indianapolis at Tennessee. We've taken Tennessee across the board. Fitz? Yeah, uh, this is obviously, to a certain extent, dependent on if Mariota's back or not, uh, since Matt Castle is a thing uh, still, somehow. Uh, and, you know, I think even if Matt Castle is in, I think they will probably run the ball a lot. And I think... The defensive front for Indianapolis has improved, but still isn't elite. So I think if Tennessee have to rely on Matt Castle, they still have certainly a chance, but we're a lot closer. If Mario is back, it should be easy enough. They've shown when they're at home, 
they can run the ball, they can do really well, and it's what they've been good at the last few seasons. Uh, but uh, at Indianapolis, they're okay. They've shown fight, but they haven't shown enough to win, and I don't think that's going to change in this game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Like, yeah. Yeah, gosh. Matt Castle, like, pick Indianapolis. <laughs> it's, it's hard to pick like Indianapolis, Matt... but it's also hard to pick something that might be led by Matt Castle. That's true. Like, it's difficult. They did lose to the Dolphins. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, so that should be good. A couple of a couple of fun games coming up anyway. Should be good fun watching them. Uh, so, any other crackers yourselves for the rest of the week, lads? Any any shka? Not much. Got a work going away party. Yeah, one of the guys is leaving, and then Green Party shenanigans this weekend. Where we get to talk about the Eighth Amendment. Yay! Mm. Fun times. Oh my god, it's not. What about yourself? Fitz? any crackdown in Cork? Uh, not much. I'm gonna miss the most of the football this weekend though because I'm off to Luxembourg on Sunday evening so oh fun how long are you over in Luxembourg for uh, four days oh I see because so, I think I might be coming down to Cork the weekend afterwards yeah no I'll be down at the weekend it's just for the for the work mm. thing uh, so yeah going to learn about statistics and meta-analysis as I mentioned last week so Excellent. very much excitement about that <laughs> fun times yeah I think I've got a I think I've got a work night out on Thursday at the Night of the Dogs uh, so Classic, I suppose. Don't invite Mike Vick. Uh, uh, ah, no, come on. He'd be a good man for the inside <laughs> inside line on that. <laughs> but, oh, uh, no, it should be good. Nothing else too, too wild or crazy. So, I suppose, uh, as well, apologies for not getting to your questions. Send them in on Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, all that kind of shite. Uh, and we'll, we'll try and get to some of them next week where they'll have slightly less news and slightly less drug-induced, <laughs> pregnant-getting, prostitute... Uh, You're saying that, but I don't know. Like, coaches. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Who knows? Who uh, knows? Who's, who's actually here's a, here's a quick question before we go who's the next coach to get fired it can be a line coach for something weird or it can just be a head coach that's gone ooh that's a good question yeah I think the Browns might fire someone yeah <laughs> I don't know um, like it's always tempting to say Chuck Pagano I was thinking Chuck Pagano it's not going to be Chuck Pagano that's the fucked up thing but yeah. it should be Chuck Pagano yeah it should be Chuck Pagano we'll just leave it it should be Chuck Pagano yeah. do you think Chuck Pagano given that he seems to be like a cockroach and can survive like nuclear fallout that like do you think maybe it would take something worse than a video of him snorting cocaine off a pr- stripper he got pregnant? Yes, him snorting cocaine off Jim Mercer's dick. But this is the problem. We think that that's the reason. He has a video like that, and that's why he still has a job, presumably. Yeah, but if it gets out, then he's got no leverage. That's true. Then that's exactly it. Ah, Boom. very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all we need to do is, uh, please, hackers, hack Chuck Pagano. Release it. No one wants to see it, but at least you will free us all from this hell. Uh, so with that, I suppose, we'll sign off. It's bye from myself. Bye from Harry. Bye. Bye from Ronan. Bye. This has been our four quarters. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.